I'm Aaron Hinkin. This is the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. My name is Mike Walls. My question is Scrapple. Why? You're talking about the uh, regionally popular uh, fried breakfast meat patty thing that is of indeterminate pork origin, I assume? Uh, the thing that for me is the er mystery meat. I have no idea what it is. I don't know why it is. I don't know from whence it comes. It is entirely strange. Yeah, that loaf, that thing. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Mike, I'm going to do what I can to solve this mystery for you. I appreciate that, Aaron. We have turkey bacon, we have turkey sausage, we have bacon, ham, and of course we have the delicacy of scrapple. Um, Bruce Purnell, we're at Kay's Place on Howard and 25th Street. I am the cook here. What exactly is scrapple? Scrapple. What happens is they kill the hog or the pig and everything that's left, they mix it all together and they make it into what they call scrapple. How popular is this item, scrapple? I sell a lot of scrapple. Probably two cases a week. Approximately maybe 50 orders. Are you personally a fan of Scrapple? What's your relationship to Scrapple? I'm a personal fan of Scrapple. I grew up on Scrapple, yes. My first memory of Scrapple, I probably was 9, 10. My grandfather slaughtered hogs, and the whole family would come together because it's such a big deal. And they turned the whole house into like a production. And they have one person doing this, one person doing this, and at the end of the day, everything's done, and that's how I came in for me with Scrapple. You put it in a little grinder, and they grind it up, and it comes out Scrapple. I, my understanding is, like, people have mixed opinions about Scrapple. You either love it or you're just afraid to even touch it. Yeah, you either love it or you, you don't. You know, we've had people come from up north, like Connecticut and New Hampshire, and they come in and they say, whoa, what is Scrapple? They taste it and they go, some love it, and they don't. It's either love or hate right off. Yeah. Hi, my name is Amanda Latham. What would you like to order? I'll take a Scrapple egg sandwich with cheese. Does that sound good? Yeah. What kind of toast would you like? What did you get yours on? I did. I did mine white bread because that's how yeah. my dad did it. Okay, white. Okay. Anything you drink? I'll take a coffee with that, please. All right. So, uh, listeners, I should say I'm I'm not alone here at the counter. I brought along my uh, friend from the radio station, Luke Spicknell. He's uh, an engineer at the station. Luke, you've uh, you had Scrapple once, but it was a long time ago. Yeah, I had Scrapple when I was a kid. My dad used to make it all the time when we'd have a breakfast, and he and my big brother would eat it. But I only tried it once or twice and kind of strayed away from it. But my dad ate it all the time growing up, and that came from his dad, who grew up on a farm in southern Maryland, and they had hogs, and when they would slaughter the hog, they'd eat the whole thing. So it's been decades since you've eaten Scrapple, but you're, you're going to take that leap of faith again today. Uh, my only fear is that I'm going to like it too much, and I'm going to start eating it all the time. Because <laughs> my dad's off it now, you know, he's... He's gotten a little bit older and, you know, just trying to be more careful with his diet, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. Gentlemen, go. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. All right, Luke, here it is. The moment of truth has arrived. These things are, uh, well, they're a marvel of engineering, number one. These sandwiches, they're piled high. Bread, eggs, cheese, and just a big loaf of scrap. It's like the size of a slice of meatloaf. Yeah, I think that's a good quarter, well, I'd say maybe an inch thick piece right there, and it's 
got the cheese melting all over it, and lots of a similar smell to sausage kind of coming off, and that sear on the sausage. Um, it looks beautiful. I'm going to let you take the first bite and, right. and uh, get your reaction here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's a similar flavor to sausage. It somehow manages to be crispy on the outside, but mushy on the inside. Mm-hmm. And I think having it on the sandwich, it kind of blends. When you take that bite, you get that little bit of resistance from the, the crispy, caramelized bit on the top. But then the, the soft kind of center and the way that mixes with the egg and the cheese is a satisfying mouthfeel. If you push what you know out of your mind a little bit, it's a heck of a breakfast. Uh, Bruce, you've brought out your, um, the, your uh, scrapple source here. This is a, this is a package from Rappa. This is how it arrives to you guys before you cook it. That's correct. This is how we get it. I slice it up into thick slices and fry it up. What, what are your cooking uh, tips and tricks for making a perfect slice of scrapple? Make your pan nice and hot, a little grease, a little oil, slap it in there. Maybe four minutes on each side, turn it over, and you've got perfect scrapple. Well, i got to tip my hat to you. This is, uh, this is delicious. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoy it. All right, step one, accomplished, scrapple, sampled. And uh, we've lived to tell the tale. You heard Mr. Bruce Purnell there showing us his loaf of scrapple from the Rappa brand distributor. Baltimore is definitely all about Rappa brand loyalty. They're sort of like the Utz potato chips of scrapple around here. So uh, after our visit to Kay's Place Diner, I put in a call to Rappa. To get some more information, the company is actually in Bridgeville, Delaware. The name Rappa comes from Ralph and Paul Adams. They founded the company back in 1926. I have to say the sales representative I spoke with was very friendly but very protective about their recipe and their ingredients. So I can't report much beyond the fact that they are not a pork kill plant. They source their raw materials from elsewhere. Uh, Their products contain no MSG, and they use a proprietary all-natural spice blend. I feel like what I need to do next is to get my hands on one of those loaves and give it a closer inspection. Maybe try and cook up some scrapple slices myself. But first, I'm going to broaden our socio-historical scrapple lens here and uh, introduce you to this guy. He has literally written the book on scrapple. This is Dr. William Moyes Weaver speaking to you from the historic Lamb Tavern in uh, Devon, Pennsylvania. That's where I live. (laughs) Dr. Weaver, you are the author of the book Country Scrapple, an American Tradition. You're one of the region's foremost authorities on the subject, and I uh, I reach out to you today in in hopes of better understanding the the origins, historical, cultural, uh, anatomical, of this traditional dish, Scrapple. What is the story behind Scrapple and how it came to be? Well, first of all, the name Scrapple, Schrappel, derives from a North German or Frisian Dutch word for a grubbing hoe, okay? What is that? Help me understand. What's a grubbing hoe? Grubbing hoe is this great big hoe that people used years ago to break up hard soil to create gardens. So um, you've got the old South word hoe cake. That's because they baked the cornmeal mush on their grubbing hoe over hot coals. And the original word for scrapple that came to Pennsylvania via the Germantown Quakers, they call it a scrapple 
cake, uh, in other words, a scrapple cake or hoe cake. I mean, that's where the word comes from. What it originally uh, consisted of was simply a butchering broth. After you've butchered your hogs, you've got broth left. You've made sausage and various things. You've got broth left, and then you add things to it, most likely the liver of the pig. That was very much considered a delicacy in the old days. The liver, maybe the heart, and some kind of thickening agent. So our traditional scrapple made in Pennsylvania always was part buckwheat and part cornmeal. What it is, basically, is a very primitive or medieval form of a French uh, terrine, you know, a country pâté, if you want to call it that. Hmm. It hasn't or never developed its so-called sophistication. I mean, because today the French add brandy and they add truffles and they put all kinds of things into their pâtés. But this is basically where that dish originated. It just, it came to America, you know, in the 1600s, and it sort of kept its old medieval identity rather than developing into a fancy dish. Although there are chefs today in Philadelphia who are making scrapple croquettes and they're making all kinds of fancy scrapple dishes. They're trying to sort of reinvent it. Let me ask you, Dr. Weaver, um, how Scrapple made its way to Baltimore. You're in, you're in like the Scrapple hotbed of the country in Pennsylvania. Baltimore's no. nearby. I guess it just sort of migrated this way. Yes, but don't forget, <clears throat> a lot of Quakers lived in Baltimore and in Maryland, and Elizabeth Ellicott Lee's uh, Domestic Cookery, which I edited many years ago, has a recipe in it for Scrapple. She made it herself. She lived at Sandy Spring. This um, is the oldest, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Weaver, but you have located what appears to be the world's oldest written recipe for Scrapple, and it is from this region in Maryland. Yes, that's true. Don't forget that the Pennsylvania Dutch settled in Pennsylvania, but they moved down into northern Maryland. So Frederick, all of that area, is that Scrapple country too. And a lot of them moved to Baltimore and brought it with them. So it's all part of that mid-Atlantic food culture that Baltimore and Philadelphia share. You know, I consider Baltimore sort of a culinary sister to Philadelphia, so it doesn't surprise me at all that you have sauerkraut and turkey, you know, and things that are common up here. It's just very nice that people still observe these old food customs. You know, as a as a food ethnographer, it seems like, I mean, you get to study how food traditions sort of bend and evolve over time, and I, I wonder if you could talk about you know, it sounds like much about Scrapple as we know it has remained unchanged. What's stayed the same or what's different? Like if I order Scrapple at the diner today, yeah, it's well, going to be different than um, a couple hundred years ago. First of all, Scrapple was not very fatty. I mean, it was just broth and organ meats. And it was pretty healthy for country people because they got lots of vitamins that way. However, Scrapple underwent uh, industrialization after the Civil War. In other words, there were small firms that started to make it not artisanally at home, but in factories. And that's when they started adding all kinds of ingredients that they couldn't easily sell. So factory scrapple has got, got a lot more in it in terms of uh, body parts and, and things of that sort than the original scrapple mainly because in the old days, the pig's head was, was considered valuable 
people made dumplings with the brains. Now a lot of the pig's head ends up in commercial scrapples. So that sort of turns people off. But as I think I said to you in an email, just read a label for the list of things that are in pepperoni that you eat on pizza. <laughs> that you know, Your hair will stand up. <laughs> so it's I can't speak for the commercial scrapples because personally I don't buy them because I make my own if I want it. Hmm. Our family recipe is in the scrapple book, so you can make it yourself. It's very healthy. It's got lots of herbs in it. Well, you know what's in it, but it also is a family recipe, so it means more than just the dish, right? Oh. It seems like that's also part of why people love Scrapple so much is because it it reminds them of their grandparents or what being a kid yeah. or whatever when they were at so-and-so, uncle so-and-so's farm. Right. You're absolutely right. There is a nostalgia factor to this, and, uh, it, you know, it's that fuzzy, warm feeling of, of ye, old, ye olden times. Dr. Weaver, you are... Uh, obviously an astute researcher. Uh, You've come at this with an academic approach, but I sense you are also perhaps not entirely neutral. You seem to be a bit of an evangelist for Scrapple. You're you're, (laughs) you're spreading the good word about Scrapple. I'm a Scrapple missionary. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, All right. I'm at uh, City Market uh, here in uh, East Baltimore, uh, Northeast Market on the 2100 block of Monument Street at the Fellner Meats stall. And I'm looking to buy a loaf of Scrapple. Uh, Let me have you uh, introduce yourself, sir. Hi, I'm Richard Kowaleski. I'm the owner of Fellner Meats. I've been up here about 20 years. 20 years. You probably sold a lot of Scrapple. It's popular around here. Yes, very popular. You've got Rapa Scrapple. You've got uh, three different varieties. This is regular pork Scrapple. And then we also have turkey Scrapple. And we have beef Scrapple. Pork Scrapple is the traditional Scrapple. That's what I'm in the market for today. I'm going to buy that loaf of uh, pork scrapple. The way I understand my customers tell me how they prepare it, they slice it up about uh, three-eighths an inch, and they flour on both sides and let them fry it in butter and get it crispy on both sides, and then it's really good. You say dredge it in a little flour before you put it in and then do it on butter. Mm Mm-hmm, yes. All right. Sell me one uh, one loaf of uh, original scrapple there, if you if you be so kind. Sure. Do you know much about what's in it? Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know anything with the word crap in it, you know it's got to be good. <laughs> All right. Good morning. It's a Saturday morning. I'm here in my kitchen with uh, who would have known a scrapple enthusiast right here under my own roof. It turns out my wife Jessica and I have never really spoken about this, but. Honey, you you were born and bred in Maryland, and this is this is part of your culinary heritage as well. Yes, that's correct. Yep, my mom, uh, Vernette Lamar Chapelier, was a huge fan of the Scrapple, so we would have it every I'd say every Sunday with pancakes as a breakfast staple. Well, we've got this loaf of Rapa original. Scrapple and, and uh, I'm gonna say I don't think that this anything about this label has changed since the 70s. This looks very familiar. This is exactly the kind that she would have gotten. So, opening it, I'm just gonna do like that, just a small incision here. Okay, whoa, oh boy, look at this thing. <laughs> this is like uh, it's like this the size of a paving stone and about the color of a paving stone as well. So, the most important thing for me, if I'm gonna do my once a year eating, it has to be made perfectly. 
And the way that that's done is starting off with a very thin slice. All right, I'm gonna get the frying pan going here. We got some butter sizzling in the pan. In they go. They're in the pan, they're sizzling. So how's this sound for a plan, honey? You've got two pieces of scrapple in there, two slices. You can have one. Let's cut the other one in half and uh, put it on the table for the kids. Call them down and see what they think about this. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, so here we go. We're at the uh, table here with the kids. All right, Charlie, you go first. Char- this is Charlie. He's 14. Never had Scrabble before. Uh, it's horrible. Abigail, age 15. I don't love it. It definitely reminds me of bacon. I honestly think that the flour makes it taste different than what I remember, but it tastes... Like um, Saturday morning cartoons and big wheels and hopscotch. You know, one of the things I've uh, sort of gathered from talking to people is that I think what makes them love Scrapple is not just the flavor of the food, but what the flavor reminds them of, and which is what you've just described, which is, I guess, what traditional foods are all about, family and memories. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I have it so rarely that it really instantly brings back childhood. It's kind of a beautiful thing, Scrapple. You're listening to the Maryland Curiosity Bureau. More in a moment. So it's probably not cool to use the words scrapple and viral in the same sentence, but I'm going to do it anyway. I have discovered there is a Facebook group entirely dedicated to scrapple enthusiasts, and this group has gone genuinely viral over the past few years. It's called Scrapple Trails, and I'm about to introduce you now to the guys who started it. Hi, my name is Bunky Luffman. I'm the commander of the Scrapple Trail. Hi, my name is Bob Zimbroff. And I am the Deputy Secretary of Scrapple. Gentlemen, whatever complaints people might have about the polarizing nature of Facebook, you guys have harnessed its power for good. You've created this wildly popular Facebook group called Scrapple Trails. It's got more than 15,000 members. What is this all about and how did it get started? Yeah, so uh, we were at an event in Annapolis called Taste of the Eastern Shore. And so myself, Bob, and also uh, Clay Mitchell, who's also the third founder, didn't see any Scrapple. So we started kind of murmuring to ourselves and complaining that there was no Scrapple there when, you know, that's a kind of an Eastern Shore staple. And so the next day, I went on Facebook and created originally the Maryland Scrapple Trail was the name of the page. At first, we just kind of thought it was, hey, this is a cool thing that us and our friends could do. But within... And this was a few weeks before the pandemic. So right after, you know, pandemic happens, a lot of people online, and we just had incredible growth, you know, hundreds of people within a few weeks and, you know, thousands of people within a few months, and it's just uh, steadily grown. Let me uh, give each of you a chance to to share your own Scrapple love story. Uh, How did you first meet Scrapple? Was it love at first bite? Well, I actually came to Scrapple by way of pudding. I'm originally from the Chicago area, 
so I moved to Maryland's Eastern Shore. And my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, I sat down for Christmas breakfast with her years ago. And their family tradition out in Washington County is Christmas morning, they eat pudding on pancakes with king syrup. So now, i, I, I got to pause you there. Before. Bob, yeah. hold on. We've talked a lot about Scrapple so far this episode. We have not mentioned pudding. Now, help our listeners understand the relationship between Scrapple and pudding. Well, as I understand it, pudding is the great-grandfather of Scrapple. It's all the bits of the pig that we associate with Scrapple, but without any filler. The Pennsylvania Dutch brought pudding here, and the industrious people that they are, they added cornmeal and wheat to it. And you go from this kind of loose, lumpy, greasy pudding to world-famous meatcake. Thank you for that sidebar. So you really went, you dove into the deep end because as intimidating as Scrapple might be, pudding is even more of a gastronomical uh, Mount Everest for the uninitiated. But you tried this, you were into it, and then you realized, hey, there's a cousin to this called Scrapple. That's absolutely right. It was not a great leap for me. Um, right from pudding to Scrapple sandwich. Bunky, how about you? Are you a long time? What's your Scrapple story? You know, I grew up in Maryland, and uh, honestly, I, I don't remember my first uh, experience with Scrapple. I would assume that it was something that my parents had on my plate when I was two or three years old. I mean, ever since I was eating solid food, I've probably been eating Scrapple. How amazed are you guys by how many people have flocked to this Facebook group, Scrapple Trails? More than 15,000 members at this point. In a very, very low-key way, it was like when, when in the, the social network movie, when Facebook hits, what was it, a billion people or something? Very, very, very minor, low-key way. It was kind of like that, like, oh, my God, we had 10,000 people. Who would have thought, you know? I don't think anyone was more surprised than us. I should say this Facebook group is quite active. On any given day, you've got several people posting uh, photos of their scrapple and egg sandwich that they made for breakfast or this or that loaf from this or that distributor. Um, This is an ongoing education for you guys, I imagine. What have you learned along the way about scrapple that's surprised you? What I really enjoy on the scrapple trail, I mean, people debating over what the best brand is, best restaurants that serve it are, is how communal it is. I mean, this is more than just food. It's a tradition. One of the first posts going back when this group started was of an entire church group getting together, filling an old barn. I'm not exactly sure, but I want to say it was in in Fairmont, cooking scrapple, and we're talking from start to finish. They, They slaughtered the pigs. They cooked the scrapple in that traditional kettle and then just filled pans and pans full of scrapple in this barn. And it's my understanding that this church group, this community, has been doing this for years. It's a fundraiser. And there are examples of that, uh, posts like that, all over the scrapple trail. Groups of people getting together, making their own scrapple, and they're all rightfully proud of it. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys what it is you think that makes people have such a deep bond with this particular food and, and feel such a bond with each other about it. I guess as a traditional food, it really connects with, like, generational family histories and, and regional histories in a way that's special beyond just the flavor of the food. I think part of it is that some people's initial reaction is, 
that they wouldn't like it and they won't even try it. So if you're sort of, you've gone beyond that veil and you've tried it and you like it, it kind of automatically creates a special bond. that You like this food that a lot of people wouldn't even consider eating. We all wear it as a badge of honor. It is not for everybody. We know it. I don't think anyone on the Scrapple Trail understands why someone possibly couldn't like it other than dietary concerns. But it it really is just, honest to goodness, a a pure love of Scrapple. Bob Zimbaroff, Bunky Luffman, your Facebook group, Scrapple Trails, is a marvel. And uh, I want to thank you guys uh, for uh, taking the time to talk with us about it and and share your enthusiasm for Scrapple. Thank you very much. I really enjoy talking to you. Great stories start with great questions. And uh, listener Mike Walls, your question, Scrapple, why, has taken us on a truly epic odyssey. You asked your original question, if I remember, in a tone that uh, conveyed to me a sense of befuddlement and skepticism. Have those feelings evolved? What are you left thinking here at uh, at the end of this episode? You know, I'll tell you, I really thought this was going to be a story about uh, some post-war post-industrial revolution ingenuity of, of slapping together some hog leavens or something, you know what I mean? Uh, but finding out that it evolved from a, from a peasant pate um, in, a, in a fairly unbroken chain into what it is now is kind of fascinating and makes me respect that little gray loaf a lot more. We heard from uh, a lot of Scrapple enthusiasts, a lot of Scrapple evangelists this episode. Do you feel uh, any more inclined to maybe order it next time you see it on a diner menu? Let's slow it down a little, Aaron Hankin. I don't know that I'm going to... I wouldn't go that far, but me and Scrapple are on speaking terms right now. I think that counts as a success. Mike Walls, thank you for an excellent question. Thank you, Aaron. All right, listeners, where are we headed next? What do you wonder about life in the Baltimore region? What local mystery has you scratching your head? You can hit me up with your question at wypr.org slash curiosity. There's an easy-to-use form on the page uh, where you can type your question in. You can also see other listeners' questions on there, and uh, you can vote on which story you think I should report next. Whatever's got you curious, I look forward to hearing from you at wypr.org slash curiosity. And by the way, if you like the show, do me a quick favor and drop this podcast a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen on. It really does help other curious folks discover the show for themselves. Thanks. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is an original production of WYPR. I'm Aaron Henkin. Thanks for listening. Be in touch. And we'll do it again next week. The Maryland Curiosity Bureau is made possible with grant support from the Peel Center for Baltimore History and Architecture. Online at thepeelcenter.org.